so I was over at my grandmother's house this weekend. I go over there every week to help her out, take right. her grocery shop and all that stuff. And as I'm doing some work around the house, I get to talking to her. And of course, knowing me, Bigfoot comes up. So, <laughs> so I'm talking about Bigfoot with my grandmother. Exactly. So <laughs> grandma and I are talking about Bigfoot and, you know, keep in mind, she is a sweet Southern Texas grandma, you know, super sweet, but don't make her mad, mm-hmm. you know? Well, we're talking about it, you know, and she's like, I, I just don't know what it is. You know, I, I, I don't have any guesses. And Ashley was like, well, tell her to go out and catch it so we can get some answers. And she's like, well, at my age, I just have to tell him now, Mr. Foot, you just sit right there. You just sit right there till we go get figure out what you is, you know? And I started laughing and it, it made me think maybe a lot of the ones we see are elderly Bigfoot too. That's right. You know, yeah. that's why we see them is they're slow. You know? <laughs> they're the, the, the slow ones. Right. Exactly. But now, Mr. Foot, you just sit right there. That's right. You know, Mr. Foot. I love it. But, <laughs> all right. You ready to get into this? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. everybody and welcome to the graveyard thank you for joining us tonight my name is adam and my name's matt now pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is graveyard tales (laughs) a good evening matt (laughs) what the heck is that i don't know (laughs) I, I, I thought about yeah i mean listen i never know what he's gonna do <laughs> we don't we don't discuss this we don't plan it out we don't write out any of this this is all <laughs> off the cuff so when when he asked me hey how you doing Matt?" and i just say i'm good that, that's because that's how i would respond anyway right so when he does that kind of stuff i'm <laughs> i'm like i'm thrown off a little yeah. bit well you know i gotta keep you on your toes a <laughs> And then B, that was my, uh, you remember those old um, cheesy TV shows that were like nighttime horror shows? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A good evening. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it was this yeah, vampire like, guy yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Count, Count Blofeld's yes. horror welcome. mystery hour or whatever. Welcome to my mystery hour. Count Floyd. Did you, did you ever see that? Uh-uh. SCTV. No. Yeah, that's where John, uh, yeah, like John Candy and Rick Moranis right. started. And uh, a guy would would be like Count Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah. It, I mean, if I were to create a character, it would be something like that. It'd be this is Count Bill. Yeah, you know, just some random Southern dude's name. So we do this every week. We want to remind you guys about the live event that's coming up October twentieth here in it's Nashville. It's coming up fast, right? So if you haven't got your ticket and you live in the area or you want to make a short trip, please do go ahead and get it and come on down and visit with us. We're uh, super excited about it. And you can go to our website, graveyardpodcast.com to see some of the details about it and to buy your tickets there. Yeah. And, you know, if you hang around, you might get to hang out with us afterwards. Right. After so, party. You know, the after party. 
And and you'll get to see just how big a party animal that Adam and I really are. Right. Which is I'm, zilch. I'm <laughs> bringing my blankie and a pillow. That's how big of a yeah. party animal I am. That's right. I will turn into a pumpkin at midnight. Right. So if you want to see that, no, seriously though, come, come and hang out. It's going to, it's going to be a great time. Um, you know, Jerry and Tracy from Hillbilly Horror Stories and, uh, the guys from EVP mediums, you know, we'll, we'll all be hanging out you know, we're not gonna, you know, jet out of that place. Uh, speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I got a juice box and a bed waiting on I'm you. telling you, but, you know, <laughs> we won't have to go to work the next day. Right. So. That will help. Should be uh, should be a lot of fun. So, Matt, I've noticed something. Ever since our last episode dropped, I kind of feel like people are listening in to us. Like, people might be listening to us right now, which oh. is kind of creepy. Why? Now, why is that? Because they're... We, ruffled a few feathers with our secret society oh yeah that's right he forgot what we did did, look i (laughs) don't i I, once once we're done i'm like (laughs) what did what did we talk about last time (laughs) i'm 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 like uh oh uh uh what's his face Uh, what's his name patriots coach on on to the next yeah on to the next and it's we're a, on we're on to cincinnati finite Bill belichick or something a yeah. finite amount of space and if matt learns too much he forgets how to tie his shoe yeah that's so right he's got and, a, you know my head will hold only a, a it, it holds a, a solitary amount of information <laughs> and it will leak out periodically you know when it gets too full right so and, you know i'm just i'm just glad my phone number hadn't fallen out yet right so. Well, randomly throughout an episode, you might hear him go, that's trying to get the information back into his head. Yeah, it's me. Uh, So want to let you guys know tonight our outro is by a band that good buddies of mine, um, Cody and Tony, and the band is East Side Gamblers. And they're, they're, you know, pretty big here locally. Tony has played guitar for Tom Kiefer, so you may have heard him play there if you listen to any of Tom Kiefer's stuff. But the song is called I Ain't a Ghost Yet, so stick around to the end and make sure you check that out. If you like it, go pick up their album. They got a new album out on iTunes, and when you pick it up, tell them the Graveyard Tales boys sent you over there. So, Matt, let's go ahead and get into it. What are we talking about tonight? Okay, tonight we're going to be talking about um, a couple of strange phenomena uh, in the U.S., different areas of mystery earth lights. Right. So, you know, these are these are strange lights that appear in specific regions that to this day are relatively unexplained. Right. So... There's there's theories about them. There's a lot of sightings, and you know they're 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 pretty cool. It, it's a it's a really interesting thing, and it, it's it's really hard to believe that they haven't been able to really pin down what's causing these things yet. Right, and you know it, it's kind of along the the lines of a lot of other stuff we've talked about. They just don't put enough effort into researching it, you know, and. Because it's like, 
and take the Bigfoot thing, for example, you know, they say, well, there there's, you know, researchers out there and there, there has been no scientific data come up. Well, if they tell you that they have seriously researched this stuff, they're lying. <laughs> right. They are absolutely lying to you. And it's the same way with a lot of this weird paranormal stuff. They don't take it seriously enough to put forth the effort to research it, you know? So they make a theory about it and they may research it a little bit, but if it doesn't fall in line with what they've thought, they either make up a random weird explanation for it, or they say, well, it's just a phenomena that we don't understand. Mm-hmm. Well, freaking research it. Yeah. No, yeah. Know? No kidding. We don't understand it. But there's a lot of people that probably would like to. <laughs> exactly. We put so much time and effort into curing male pattern baldness, but we can't put the time and effort into uh, the know, weird stuff. That, you know, that's hardcore, though. You know, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you know I, I don't know. I, I, I agree. I agree with you. And and we discussed this on um, one of our latest Patreon episodes that. Putting a little bit more research into these type things can dispel a lot of the wild outlandish stories that come from it. Right. And, you know, it's one thing to just be a a non-believer or a skeptic, but when you're seeing stuff like this and you don't know what it is and you don't get a decent explanation... Why Why would you just go, oh, well, whatever, and, and just dismiss it completely? I don't get it. Right. I'm like, this may be something completely cool. I yep. mean, this may be one of the most interesting things that the earth has ever known. And because it has a quote unquote paranormal tag to it. Right. We're just going to dismiss it because it's not either. It's not interesting enough. Or if we're talking about the government, it's it's not going to make us any money. Yeah, it's not worthy of their time. So, yeah. you know, I guess I can see both sides, but really the 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 weight of why don't we just go ahead and look into this seriously? Mm-hmm. You know, why don't we just put it to rest? And then if you say this is what we did and we still can't explain it. All right. You know, now now we really got something, right? Because we, you know, if if we spend the money and and do the research and we don't we don't know what it is, then you know now it's a legitimate mystery, right? For right now, it's just it's just an unresearched phenomena, in my opinion, right? You know, it, it's cool, it's mysterious, it's whatever. Uh, you know, I just I don't think anybody's put enough time in it, but we're going to talk about you know these mysterious lights tonight and the stories behind them and the eyewitnesses accounts, they're, they're really, really interesting. And, uh, I, I think you're going to find that, you know, both places we're going to talk about this evening, you know, if you're close by, they're worth a visit. Sure. Try to, try to get a, try to get a glimpse of this stuff. Sure. So I really want to go check both of these out. Um, we picked two of the ones that are here in the U.S. There's only a couple other places around the world that have these uh, mystery earth lights. Um, we chose Marfa, Texas, 
and the brown mountain lights. Obviously, I've got Marfa because it's Texas. So, you know, I had to go back to my home state. <laughs> um, but some of y'all, if y'all live around the Marfa area or, you know, are into this kind of thing, have heard about the Marfa lights. So what are they? Well, they're also known as the Marfa ghost lights, and they're these glowing orbs that have been observed near U.S. Route 67 on the Mitchell Flats east of Marfa, Texas. And according to eyewitnesses, the lights appear to be roughly the size of basketballs, and they're varyingly described as white, blue, yellow, red, and just a whole array of other colors. You know, in all the colors of the rainbow that you can see, these lights come in. So reportedly, these lights hover and they merge and they'll twinkle. They'll split into two, flicker, they'll float up into the air or dart quickly across the flats. Now, keep this in mind when we come to some of the theories about that. Keep this movement in mind and the way they act and see if your thoughts kind of go along with mine. There's not really any way to predict when these lights will appear Uh, They're in various weather conditions, but they're only about a dozen or so nights a year. They don't happen every night, so you can't just go out there any night of the year and see one. You can always go to the viewing area, but not guaranteed that you're going to see something. So the first mention of these lights comes from 1883 when there was a cowhand named Robert Reed Ellison. He claimed to have seen flickering lights one evening while driving a herd of cattle near Mitchell Flat. Now, he assumed these lights were from Apache campfires from where they were camping in the area. Well, Ellison was told by area settlers that they often saw these lights too, but when they went to investigate it, they found no ashes and no other evidence of a campfire. And this is coming from the Texas State Historical Association. So, you know, they assumed it was just fires, but when they went back and checked the next day, there was no traces of anybody camping there or anything. Well, the first published account of these lights appeared in July 1957 in an issue of Coronet Magazine. Now, during World War II, pilots from nearby Midland Army Airfield tried to locate the source of the mysterious lights, but were unable to discover anything. In 1976, Elton Miles' Tales of the Big Bend, the book he wrote, included stories dating to the 19th century and a photograph of the Marfa lights taken by a local rancher. Now, there was some, we talked about a little bit of research done into it. There was a group of physics students from the University of Texas at Dallas, Hook'em Horns, Uh, They concluded that headlights from vehicles on nearby U.S. Highway 67 could explain at least some of the reported sightings of the Marfa lights. And another possible explanation is the refraction of light caused by layers of air at different temperatures. This optical illusion is sometimes called a superior mirage or a Fata Morgana. And this occurs when a layer of calm, warm air rests above a layer of cool air. And you will have heard of this term when people say there is a ship floating out in the ocean. 
And what will happen is supposedly a ship over the edge of the horizon is being projected up yeah. above the water. Yeah, I've actually seen that before. Right. Now, I mean, I've, I've seen that phenomenon where it looks like you where the water should be from your vantage point. You know, the ship is actually above it. Right. And so, so I mean, it's an optical illusion. Yes. Yeah. And know? that's the superior miraging. Mm-hmm. Now, my problem with this theory, and, you know, it, it's not a bad theory, but to my untrained eye, you know, I'm not a physics major or anything like that. But my problem with this theory is that the lights are seen to move in a bunch of different directions and a bunch of different ways that traffic would not be moving. If it were reflected traffic lights, they would be moving from one side of your field of view to the other. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, if they were cars on the road moving like that, you would also see the mirage image of police and ambulance lights from the buttload of wrecks that was just caused by the (laughs) idiots driving like that. That's right. So, to me, that is easily debunked. That yeah. that is not the Fata Morgana effect because they're moving up and down, left and right, and they're splitting into two. So I've never seen a headlight split into two pieces and dart off in different directions. Well, and if and, and if you think about how headlights are made, you know they're designed to you know, illuminate outward. You know, in a in a specific direction mm-hmm. you know because you want to be able to see the road and you want to be able to see what's to the side of you but you don't necessarily want the lights pointing upward right so they're blinding the guy that's coming down the road towards you right unless you're that jerk in the jacked up pickup behind me you know yeah. so even if you're thinking about ref- not that you wouldn't see headlights from a distance we all know that you do um but even if they were reflected like that, the, to me, the angle of the lights wouldn't produce the phenomena that they're talking about right. here. Exactly. You know, that that the beams of the lights are, are going to be angled in such a manner that it, it wouldn't do this. Right. You, you, would, you might be able to see them, and I'm sure there are some instances and some nights where that does happen, but... You know, they're going to travel in a linear path and they're not going to change color. You know, it it just doesn't match with the lights don't match the theory. Right. So you're throwing a theory out just to explain it without. I mean, that's an easy. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the low hanging fruit. Absolutely. Um, And it's fruit that is rotted a little bit, in my opinion. (laughs) It's a sour persimmon. Exactly. Um, <laughs> one of the other theories is that scientists speculate that the Marfa lights may be caused by the same gases that create the glowing lights associated with swamp gas. So phosphine and methane. And I heard a lot of y'all chuckle when I said swamp gas, because here we go again with a mystery thing and swamp gas is being put in there. Yeah. Um, owl or swamp gas. Exactly. Explains um, it all. That's what these are. These are owls. That's all they are. That's it. Um, <laughs> now, under certain conditions, these gases can ignite when they contact oxygen. 
this glowing phenomena is sometimes called will-o'-the-wisp, um, ignis fati, or fool's fire. And it's been observed around the world, uh, especially in marshy areas where the decay of organic matter can create pockets of phosphine and methane. So is um, is Marfa, is it well known for its marshes and swamps? No. <laughs> Um, There are some areas there that they would consider kind of marshy, but I'll have a picture of where it's located in Texas, and that's far southwest Texas. So they're not really not really that marshy in southwest Mm -hmm. Texas. There are oil reserves and natural gas in that area that have petroleum hydrocarbons and everything, which could include methane in quantities capable of producing an effect similar to that created by swamp gas igniting. My problem with this theory, besides the obvious swamp gas term that we talked about, is that will-o'-the-wisp isn't known to move around like these lights do. Um, You know, we have yet again a discrepancy in the movement because will-o'-the-wisp is usually known to hover or to float up occasionally it will move from one side you know to the other but it's a straight line and it's usually slow now believe it or not with my family living in texas uh, my dad works in the gas business and my stepmom is in the oil business i know that's hard to believe from texas (laughs) you know um, stereotypical texan right (laughs) but unfortunately though they're not in the the side that has the money, you know, they're in the side that does all the work. Yeah. Um, well, somebody's got to do it. Exactly. Well, I talked to them about the Marfa area and the gases underground and everything. And what they were able to tell me was that the area is made up of shale deposits and shale is known to hold gas, you know, has pockets from organic matter, but these shale deposits range in thickness from 400 to 1200 feet. So they're, pretty thick shale deposits there are the gas pockets in there like i said and they're high in organic content and they have a high thermal maturity and thermal maturity just means they that crap's been down there cooking for a while mm-hmm. um and the drilling depth for this basin area is around seventeen thousand feet which again that deep yeah that means you've got to drill seventeen thousand feet to hit one of these pockets and there's a lot of pressure right there to to force, you know, if if you've got a gas that deep under pressure when you when you hit it to release it, it's it's going to come up. Right. You know, and it's going to come up with a little bit of force too. So, you know, it makes sense if if that gets ignited, it's like having a natural Bunsen burner. Right. And that that's more of what you would see or you would see you know, even if it wasn't a stream of the gas, it would be a poof, and then it would float straight up, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and as the gas is ignited and burns, the ball is going to get smaller. Mm-hmm. It's not going to grow. It's not going to split into two pieces, and it's not going to zoom off to one side or the other. So, again, the movement just completely destroys this theory. Right. It, it's going to go in in a direction. Right. Being up. Right. And it probably won't change direction. 
yeah. you know. It's not gonna it's not gonna go left or right, and it's not gonna come back down either. Right. So there was a retired aerospace engineer named James Bunnell, and he chanced upon these Marfa lights um while visiting the viewing platform. Um he said, I just got lucky. The lights are rare, but I got I got one of the really good displays. Now Bunnell believes that the Martha lights are the result of igneous rock under the Mitchell Flats that create a piezoelectric charge, and that's electricity produced under pressure by solid matter such as minerals, crystals, or ceramics. And Carrie Stephen, I'm sorry, that's Carl Stephen. I thought that was an I. <laughs> that's a big difference. Yeah, my bad, Carl. Uh, Carl Stephen, an engineering professor at Texas State University, has considered Bunnell's hypothesis, but hasn't endorsed it. He said it may be geological activity that creates electrical activity, but it's all speculation at this point. There are no proven facts. Now, again, I ask that could the piezoelectric charge cause the movements? You know, to me, no. You know, you're not going to have movements in the lights like that. And I, I... implore you guys to go on YouTube and search Marfa lights and watch the movement in these things. Do they always move? No. You know, sometimes they hover. A lot of times they'll hover, but they appear out of nowhere. They don't pop up from the ground. You know, you don't see a little of static electricity or anything. So it's more of just a spontaneous appearance Mm -hmm. of these things. Yeah. And if you're familiar with sitting outside and in, in, in Tennessee, this is, this is a thing. It's a, it's a real thing. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's early summer on, on into the warmer months. You can sit outside. And as you know, as the sun begins to go down, the fireflies begin to come up. Right. Now around here, we call them lightning bugs. Right. Lightning bug. That's right. So, you know, as a kid, and I know at my kids, you know, they, that was just the greatest thing being out on the back porch and seeing the, the lightning bugs rise up. Right. And, and they do, they, they go up, they blink, they hover, and then they begin to move around and you can see them. So if you can, you can imagine what the fireflies do when, when they begin to come up off the ground at night. It's a similar movement as to what these lights are doing. Mm-hmm. Am, am I wrong? No. Um, very similar to it. They're, you know, one of the things with fireflies, you know, A, they're not basketball size, obviously. Right, but right. I'm, the, you know. the movement, uh, I just had to point out the obvious, man. <laughs> <laughs> if I see a basketball size firefly, I'm. Yeah, I'm leaving. Yeah, I'm going to get out. Right. Um, <laughs> the the thing with the fireflies is when they light, if you watch them, a lot of the ones around here will do a certain pattern, and some in other areas will do a different pattern. The ones here actually make a J. Watch them when they light, and they'll drop and then kind of curl back up. And it's kind of a, you know. It's a mating. Hey, baby, look at my J, you know. <laughs> um, so... You know, they will they'll go all night showing off their J to everybody. Um, and, you know, that's like you in college. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, Got to do something, Matt. You know, 
Um, but they won't just hover lit. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. So. Right. They blink. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not. They don't stay on. Right. Which, you know, it's funny. This is a side note. Um, I had to tell my kids, if you see one that's not blinking and it's on, it's probably on the ground or it's stuck somewhere. Mm-hmm. There's a spider eating it, so don't go grab it. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly. what happens when they get attacked. <laughs> we used to take those things and write on the concrete with them. You oh, know? yeah, yeah. Uh, back home, when they get real bad, they'd hit your windshield and you'd have a big glowing spot yeah. on your windshield. I just hijacked this podcast and made it the Firefly show. And you did. Way to go. <laughs> but Firefly is one of my favorite TV shows. Um, oh, now, now now we're going off on it. Yeah, now we're now I'm going to pull it back. <laughs> I you know these theories that they they put forth I don't think are terrible, but I think most of them are flawed. You know they're inherently flawed from the get go because they're not putting thought into their theory. Like we talked earlier, I think a lot more research really needs to be done into the Earthlight phenomena in general. Not just the Marfa lights, but the several places around the world that have Earth lights. You know, we need to understand these things because, you know, I think there's a natural phenomena at work that we don't yet understand. People put out theories of aliens, UFOs, ghosts. It's a portal area. It's, you know, all this. I really don't think it's that. I don't think that in Marfa, Texas, we're going to have tiny little UFOs blipping in and out where you can see them that clearly and be on a regular basis. Mm, Right. You know, I I really believe that it's a natural phenomena. Now, like I say, again, I'm not a physics major and I don't have any scientific degrees, but one of my best theories that I could come up with when looking at this is that it could possibly be ball lightning. You know, we've touched on ball lightning in other episodes, and I know Matt's got some stuff on ball lightning that we'll get into a little more later, but we've seen and we've heard the reports of these things being able to move, you know, ball lightning being able to move. Um, and, you know, to me, that's that's what I think it is. But... I think it's ball lightning being created in a way that we don't understand. Mm-hmm. So if we were able to understand this phenomena, I think it could have great implications for science, physics. You know, we would finally understand something that we've been looking into for hundreds of years, and we don't even know if it's legit. That's right. You know, so that's why I plead for more investigation into Earthlights to understand it more. Yeah. If you think it's a natural phenomena, then research it and prove it. Right. Exactly. Because with so many other, you know, natural occurring things, understanding them can open the doors to understanding so much more. Oh, sure. I mean, you know, you, you look at what just a little bit of research, you know, has done with other things. Um, you know, they they examine, you know, how things react in zero gravity to understand, you know, 
how life could exist on another planet right. or in space or on the moon or anything like that. They study moon rocks and things like that because they, they want to know and they've learned so much by doing that. Sure. And, and it's, it's opened the door for technology here on earth. You know, why not study what's going on here on earth a little bit more? Exactly. And I know they do. I mean, I don't want a bunch of emails that say, wow, they studied this and that. We, we get it. You know, we understand that, you know, but I think there's enough there's enough science to go around yeah. that 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 somebody or or an agency could could really dedicate some time and and possibly find out you know volumes oh, of, sure. of knowledge that we previously didn't have. Sure. Well, you know, if you think about it and if it is ball lightning that's naturally being created. So we can figure out then how it's being created so we can create it ourselves. And we're always looking for a non-fuel source propulsion for space travel since you brought up mm -hmm. zero gravity. You know, fuel, you can only take so much into space. And everybody's always looking for, you know, do we use solar sails? Do we? How do we propel a ship without carrying all this fuel into space? If you're able to harness ball lightning, you've got electrical energy right there. And if you know how to create it, is it possible that that could be turned into an alternative fuel source to power spacecraft? Or anything for that matter. Exactly. True. Yeah. It could be for a car. Yeah. You know? I mean, if this truly is a natural occurring energy. Mm-hmm. You know, that we have yet to investigate enough to see if we even could harness it. Right. You know, who knows? Yeah. And we could we could all be driving cars that are propelled by ball lightning. Exactly. <laughs> have my ball lightning Jetta, you know. <laughs> It'd be great. So that's all I've got on the Marfa lights map. What do you got on the Brown Mountain? Well we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna come uh a little further east, closer to um Closer to Tennessee, where we are now, to uh, Brown Mountain uh, in North Carolina, and the the lights uh, that are named um, very cleverly the Brown Mountain lights. <laughs> uh, these are a series of again what they call ghost lights reported near Brown Mountain, North Carolina. The lights can be seen from the Blue Ridge Parkway at mile marker 310, which is the, the Blue Mountain Light Overlook, uh, and at 301, which is the Green Mountain Overlook, and from the Brown Mountain Overlook on North Carolina Highway 181 between Morganton and Linville, North Carolina. Now, there's also really good sightings of the lights from the top of Table Rock, which is a, a natural uh, rock formation. Uh, right outside of Morganton, and but one of the best vantage points, and and it comes up very very frequently in interviews and and eyewitness statements, is a place called Wiseman's View, which is about four miles from Linville Falls. Now there's also a Brown Mountain Overlook on North Carolina Highway 181 that's um that's been improved with help from uh from the city of Morganton just for the purpose of attracting those who want to visit that area and 
get to see the lights. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, this is a this is a big deal in this area, and I mean, they, you know, I'm sure that these towns make make some money on people coming and oh, you know, you know it, buying supplies or staying in hotels or camping or whatever. So, I mean, people make these trips just specifically to do this, right? Um, the best time of year to see them is reportedly right now. Um, September through early November. And they usually say that, you know, after a rain is the, you're more likely to see them. Well, let's go, Matt. So that, that in and of itself makes me think this is a more natural thing, Mm -hmm. you know, that, you know, it's more likely to happen after a rain, something's happening, Sure, you know, when the rain falls, but one of the earliest sightings uh, of the Brown Mountain Lights was reported on September 24th, 1913, in the Charlotte Daily Observer. The article stated that a fisherman claimed to have seen, quote-unquote, mysterious lights just above the horizon every night. He described the lights as being red in color and having a circular shape. Now, after this report, the United States Geological Society sent one D.B. Stewart to study the area. Now, Stewart determined that the fishermen had mistaken train lights for something much more mysterious. Yet, the reports of the strange lights continued. So, in 1922, the U.S. Geological Society decided to do a more formal investigation. So, they also determined that the lights were misidentified train lights, automobile lights, fires, or simply just stationary lights in the area. So it sounds a lot like some of the hack theories. Yeah. What that, about that last one? Just stationary lights. Right. It's just some lights out there. Yeah. Where? Why? Yeah. Did somebody did somebody just randomly go put a bunch of tap lights out there in 1922 and you, say, hey, look here. You've heard of the, the lamppost in Narnia, right? It's <laughs> just out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's just out there. Yeah. It's just, you'll meet like, a fawn out there. Okay. You know, if that's not a cop-out answer, I don't know what is. No kidding. Oh, it's just some stationary lights yeah. out there. Seriously? In in 1922? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, whatever. There's some guy There's going no out LEDs lighting LEDs out in 1922, He's, you know, that'll run for 25 years yeah. or something. Oh, old Seamus goes out there and lights the gas lamps every yeah. day. <laughs> so That's exactly it. Um, But shortly after the conclusion of this investigation... A huge flood hit that area, and it wiped out electrical power for a period of time, making the trains inoperable, as well as washing away several automotive bridges, and yet the lights continued to appear. Hmm. So there's no electricity out there. Right. So how could they be man-made lights? Hmm. Okay. They continued. So the, the lights have really become legendary in North Carolina, and they've inspired songs and stories, and even a, an episode of the X Files uh, was on Brown Mountain I, about yeah, I yeah think some I remember campers that. that went missing, yep. and they were trying to correlate it to the lights. Yeah, yeah. so uh, so yeah, I mean that's it's pretty famous. So let's talk about some of the the eyewitness accounts, and there's uh, there's a lot. We're not going to go through all of them. Well, I just found some really interesting ones. So uh, there are thousands of people who flock to this area and try to get a glimpse of these lights every year. Um, and there's just as many eyewitness accounts to match. So although some are pretty mundane, you know, hey, we saw some lights out there. 
and others are quite fantastical. Uh, one of these really wild stories is that of a man named Tommy Hunter, who was interviewed by a paranormal investigator and native North Carolinian Joshua P. Warren. And you've probably heard of Joshua P. Warren. He's mm-hmm. pretty famous. He's an author. He's a regular guest on Coast to Coast. Um, so, I mean, he he's not just some some flake that, you yeah. know, he's actually got a museum in Asheville. Um, so this guy, he's pretty well known. So he managed to track down um, this Tommy Hunter um, and interview him and uh, most of the members of his group. So Mr. Hunter's story goes like this. In 1982, Tommy Hunter was at the 181 Overlook with a group of friends. They were enjoying the view of the mountain when a ball of light bobbed up onto the Overlook. It was described as being two to three times the size of a basketball and bright white to yellowish in color. Now, everyone ran the opposite direction except for Tommy. For some reason, Tommy began to approach the light, which was hovering about, they say, three feet off the ground. He reached out and touched it. Not smart. Not smart. (laughs) I don't know what this is, natural or not. Don't touch it. I'm going to lick my finger and touch it. (laughs) But Tommy touched it, and Tommy said that when he touched the light, it shocked him to the point that it made his teeth rattle. So the Way friends, go, yeah, exactly. it's like when you when you actually you're plugging something in and you accidentally get your finger right mm-hmm. there on a little prong, and it's like you're like, oh god, changing those halogen light bulbs, and you <laughs> yeah. connect the end. Yeah. So so Tommy got a shock. Um. So, but when they interviewed the friends. They said that when Tommy touched it, the light dimmed a little. Now, so did Tommy. That's right. <laughs> uh, man, I got I, I I got a good comment about that, but I can't do it right here. So uh, anyway, now had this been a natural electrical occurrence, you would think that it would have completely discharged. Since electricity takes the path of least resistance to the ground. Right. So if this was a a ball of electricity sure. or, or even ball lightning, this would have blasted through him and it would have dissipated. Mm-hmm. But it didn't. It only dimmed a little bit. So Tommy staggered around a little bit, but finally recovered. And the ball was soon joined by a second light. And shortly after that, both lights floated back down over the edge of the overlook. Now, this was one of the only stories that I was able to find that was this much of a close encounter, if you want to call mm-hmm. it, um, where somebody actually got close enough to physically touch one. Um, so, like I said, that's pretty. It's a pretty outlandish story, right? You know, but I mean, there were several people that witnessed this, and and Joshua Warren was able to interview the majority of them and Tommy himself before he passed away. So. Joshua Warren has seen the lights himself many times, and his early experience, he reports, came during a family outing around the age of 12 or 13. He said by the time he was 16, he found himself at the Overlook more and more, leading to a long history of research into the Brown Mountain Lights. Now, two gentlemen, C.W. Smith and Les Burrell, they're retired members of the Law Enforcement and Investigation Department 
of the U.S. Forest Service. Now, we've talked about this before. I, I will tend to believe stories from law enforcement. Yep. Because they've got a lot more to lose than Joe Schmo that decided to go camping and saw some stuff. Yep. And they're okay. trained to observe. That's right. So they were on duty together one night at Wiseman's View when both men saw the lights about 30 feet off of the outcropping. Now, the location of the lights, they knew that it couldn't be a person producing the light because of where it was. Mm -hmm. Um, Les states that over the years, he has seen the lights many, many times and on one occasion witnessed them flying over the top of his car. What he describes was similar to a meteor shower, but they didn't follow the right path and, you know, they were much, much larger. Hmm. So all of these accounts will vary, but some of them will have some some interesting commonalities. The lights are typically round, but can be oblong or even blob-like where they change shape, almost like they don't have a defined margin. Right. Um, the colors are most commonly red, white, yellow, or green. So they dig Christmas. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> and the lights tend to hover and move in patterns unlike traditional aircraft. So some are described as being small when others have been reported to be quite large as in the Tommy Hunter story. So there's there's not a consistent size, not a, the, the shape is somewhat consistent. And the colors seem consistent. And they, they're seen in groups, sometimes what's called swarms. Um, sometimes they're seen individually. Um, but they seem to, when they're in groups, they seem to move together, um, often appearing to chase one another. You know, not really a pattern, but they're, they're moving with almost like an intelligent knowledge of the other lights around them. Right. So what are they? Or, or what could they be? So there, there's really too many theories on these lights to list, but we're going to talk about just a few of them. So some of these theories, you know, are, are, are natural theories, and some of them are more, you know, paranormal in nature. Um, if you take into consideration that witnesses claim the lights are located in places that are inaccessible by vehicle and very difficult to access by foot, the idea that they're misidentified headlights or campfires becomes much less plausible. Now, some of, some of these areas, especially around Table Rock, right? I mean, these aren't places where hikers just go routinely. Yeah, and not. I mean, they're not they're not easy to get to. Not going to be there carrying a lantern most of the time either. Right, and know. and if you did hike up there, you probably wouldn't do it at night. Right. You know, and that's when the lights are seen. So, um, you're not going to be stumbling out there. You know. Off of this overlook right. down and, in the woods, that's, that's think, a good way to get killed. Yeah, most parks now, and they'll take a registry if you're going to be out overnight. Right. So they would know so-and-so was planning on going in this path exactly. in case you went missing. So they would be able to go back and go, well, no, maybe that was Jim and his wife hiking because they were going that way. That's right. You know. That's right. And, and you know, a lot of parks, as we talked in uh, our Missing 411 episode, they have areas that are out of bounds because they're they're dangerous. Right. You know, maybe there's wild animals in that area or they're too inaccessible if you got up there and you couldn't get out. Right. That they couldn't get to you if you needed emergency services. And and 
you know, for very experienced hikers, you know, they have to get a permit mm-hmm. to go out of bounds. Mm-hmm. So not not only would you be registered, they the rangers would, would know exactly where you were yep. or where you were going, and you would have a really small area. And so if somebody said, hey, I saw the lights this night, I said, well, we, yeah, we had a, you know, a group of, you know, some experienced hikers that were up there and you probably saw campfires. I'd buy that, but the, where, they're, where they're seen and the way they move, it's not consistent with people. Right. So, so let's disperse the typical swamp gas. You know, we've already talked about swamp gas. Yep. Um, but Brown Mountain is not a swamp. And there's, there are natural occurring gases. But, you know, again, as we talked about before, they're, they're not really known to ignite under natural circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, but this has always been a favorite, a favorite response, you know, for any kind of light. You know anything like that? It's got it's got to be swamp gas, and and people have they've defaulted this for a long time, and we we've gone into this a lot, but um, but it it might explain some of these brown mountain light sightings. In fact, a lot of the researchers will say there are definitely lights there, right? And out of these thousands of eyewitness reports, maybe maybe five to ten percent are actually what's considered to be the brown mountain lights, the the mystery lights. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to think, you know, people that are going to this area, they want to see something. And and sometimes you convince yourself that maybe you see something that you don't. Right. Or you you really want it to be that. And so you you, you see something that's very common and and you misidentify it in your own mind because you really really want it to be the mystery lights you misidentify a lightning bug that's right you know you know hey look at that look how it's moving you're not seeing it but there have been enough accounts that don't fit into those kind of categories that you know these researchers believe there's something there that they don't understand so could it be a man-made hoax sure i mean some of them I mean, I would imagine out of this many sightings that some of them are just people up there messing around and, and playing a joke. Yeah. Um, especially with the invention of consumer drone aircraft. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, any anybody with 10 bucks, you know, can buy a drone that's got lights on it that'll mm-hmm. fly far enough away from you where you could hide and people could see it. And the way the drones move, the way they'll hover, the way you can go just about any direction... I mean, you could mimic those kind of patterns, but you got to remember, those things have only been around for about the last 10 years. Right. I mean, that doesn't explain 1913 or 1922 or one report I read from 1943. Those kind of things weren't around. Right. And we have better viewing now. We, you know, binoculars and stuff that can see better. So get one of those guys probably got some good binoculars and we'll see the... Drone. Yeah, and it doesn't really account for the size either because, you know, these drones are usually outfitted with, you know, small LEDs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're gonna you're gonna be able to see something that small and not necessarily believe that it's this because when people are describing something that's two to three size sizes bigger than a basketball, mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about beach ball size. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty big drone to produce something that's you know mm-hmm. that's gonna have a light on it that. That would be that big. 
So, and I think something like that's going to make noise too. Yeah, something that big. <laughs> something that big, you know. That's a helicopter. Yeah, you know. Right. So people are going to know. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure that it does explain some of the sightings. Um, ball lightning again, like Adam said with the Marfa lights. Um, you know, ball lightning. I think kind of falls on the fence between these two, between the natural and maybe the preternatural. Sure. Um, because, you know, ball lightning kind of fits and it would be a natural occurring phenomenon, but we still don't have evidence of its true existence, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it's the Tommy Hunter, the, yeah, the, the Tommy Hunter story, I mean, it, if I was going to, if I was going to draw up a story about what ball lightning might do, if you were able to touch it, it would kind of sound like that. Yep. Although I would kind of think that it would fully discharge and Tommy would have been a crispy critter. Yeah. You know. Well, and yeah, we there was one story that we covered, and I can't remember what episode it was. Oh, spontaneous human combustion. Mm-hmm. When we got into that, there was uh, Russian hikers that said ball lightning got into their tent, mm-hmm. and it would flow through them, it would hit them, it would bounce back, and it hit them repeatedly. But every time it did, it seriously injured them internally like they got burns they they were hurt so if it were ball lightning and tommy touched it he probably like you said he at least his hand would have been crispy yeah and you know the human body is electric mm-hmm. you know and that's what she and said it, it, <laughs> and it's uh and and it conducts electricity very well mm-hmm. so you know that much electricity there's going to be evidence yeah. You know, that something happened. Right. You know. Um, so during investigations, sophisticated equipment will tend to behave very erratically when the lights appear. Um, you know, making a definitive science scientific explanation very elusive, which leaves many to describe the lights as plasma, the suspected fourth state of matter. Right. Which would make it, you know, a natural phenomenon. Mm-hmm. No, but again, that's, it's just a theory. I mean, you know, it's a theory of a theory. We're going to use a theory to make a theory of something else. Right. You know, something we can't exactly explain, we're going to use to explain something we can't exactly explain. And if it's still (laughs) plasma, then we've got to figure out how it's occurring in such high quantities repeatedly. Yeah. So, well, let's kind of talk about that because the geological makeup of Marfa, Texas is considerably different from the geological makeup of the Brown mountain area. Yep. And you know, on, on more than just, Hey, we're talking about plains as opposed to mountains. Um, just the ground itself where Marfa is mostly shale. The, the Brown mountain area is made up of layers of quartz and magnetite. Mm-hmm. So this is this is a theory of how you know this could be you know an electrical occurring phenomena. Sure. So quartz um is is not uh is a non-conductor. And magnetite is a very good conductor. And it causes the mountain to create a natural capacitor. Mm-hmm. You know, 
with with magnetite being a strong conductor um, and, and quartz being a non-conductor, quartz will uh, produce electricity when it's under high stress. So layers and layers and layers of quartz compressed can produce electricity. Right. And layered in with magnetite, which is a good conductor, you know, creates almost like a natural battery. Absolutely. And if it if the energy built up enough, it reached a critical level, then it would discharge. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like a, a static a static electricity charge. Right. You know. So when this discharge would occur, these lights would appear. And the way this would happen, it makes a lot of sense. It that does. This this could be um, what's causing these lights, but I I can't really say that that would explain all the sightings. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I I think that it's a it's a plausible explanation of what's causing some of them. Mm-hmm. But you know, if we're thinking about lights that move in swarms. And and seem to move together, right? Maybe not in a pattern, but appear to be moving with some type of intelligence. Intelligence. Mm-hmm. I I don't I don't think this would be it. Right. And there's there's too many reports that people have seen that. Right. For to to say, oh well, they're just they're not seeing what they think they see, um, or they're just making it up. I think you're you're seeing a a, a large amount of uh, eyewitness statements that say, you know, I saw two lights, they were different colors and they appeared to chase one another, or I saw multiple lights that seemed to hover and move with, uh, around one another, but not into one another. Mm-hmm. I think if it was, if all of them were just this natural, um, natural electrical occurrence, it, it would be much more uniform. Right. You know, you, you would be able to see, a pattern of how it's happening. Right. You know, not, you know, exactly the same, but at least in a way that that scientists could say, this is what it would do. And this is what it looks like. Right. Sometimes it'd be big. Sometimes it'd be small. Because like you said, electricity follows the path of least resistance. Correct. So in that area, there would be natural paths of least resistance, yeah. which it would all, it would probably, you know, alternate and pick different ones. Yeah. But you could trace a pattern. Yeah. But this is graveyard tales mm-hmm. and all this science talk is is not a lot of fun. <laughs> so, of course, there are local legends as to why these lights exist. Well, of course. Yeah. And now, you know, UFOs is not, you know, at the bottom of the list. It's I mean, it's definitely on the list. And there's even an eyewitness statement from a man who said he got close enough to look into one of the larger lights and saw a little man sitting inside it. Well, of course he did. Yeah. There's, that's the only one. Yeah. <laughs> and it's unnamed. Of course. <laughs> you know, so it, it's kind of hearsay, but interesting enough, you know, that, that you know, the the idea that this is. It's fun enough for us some, to talk about. Yeah, some kind of, uh, some kind of, of, of UFO alien type activity is producing these lights, but I'm with Adam. You know, why? 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 You know, if if aliens were coming, why would they do this just right, right out in the open? Right. You know, hey, we're right here. And keep doing We've it. We've been around here for a long you know, time. Yeah. <laughs> we're, not, we're not going anywhere. It's just a meeting place for them. Yeah. You know? It's like a bar. But I'm, you know, it's I'm, an alien bar. 
I'm picturing that, uh, what is that book where they had the little Indian figurines that came to life? Oh, the Indian in the cupboard. Yes. And so I'm picturing aliens, a lot like the Indian in the cupboard, sitting in these flashlight bulbs <laughs> that are going around the Brown Mountain. Yeah, that's right. You know, you know, I, I, I pictured the men in black thing. You know, yeah. That tiny guy inside the yeah, big guy. Yeah, inside the big guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, he's like in there peddling this little bicycle. Yeah, right. Um, but, you know, the, the, the locals do have legends as to why these lights exist. Um, so many like to believe that the lights are the spirits of past Native American warriors or Revolutionary War soldiers. Mm-hmm. One such legend describes a man who settled his family in North Carolina near Blowing Rock. When the Revolutionary War broke out, the man left his family to fight for his country. When he returned after the war, he found only the charred remains of his home. Wrecked with grief, the man searched desperately uh, for his missing family. When night fell, the man used a crude torch to continue his search. Overcome with despair, the man died on Brown Mountain. And the lights are of his spirit, continuing his never-ending search. Hey, that's a cool story. Yep. You know. And and we've heard other stories that kind of fall in line with that. Sure. You know. I mean, you know, there's one right here. I mean, you know, the 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 train track, mm-hmm. you know, the guy's, you know, going to check on his cows and he got hit by the train and you right. can see his lantern go down the track and all this other stuff. Yeah. Very, you know, it's a very, very similar legend. Another local legend relates the story of a local woman who was murdered at the hands of her adulterous husband who tracked her into the into the mountains. But this legend is 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 very interesting because of how far it dates back. Mm-hmm. So this legend dates back to 1850. A woman named Belinda disappeared on the mountain with her husband when her husband Jim was suspected of her murder. The community searched for Belinda and one night noticed strange lights in the sky. Now, many of the searchers believed that the lights were Belinda's spirit coming back to haunt her killer. Years later, under a pile of rocks down a deep ravine, searchers found the skeleton of a woman. The lights that were seen during the search returned and can be seen to this day. So I like that one. This is a this is an interesting story because it it, it kind of uh, it has a date attached to it mm-hmm. and it has names attached to it and it it, it way precedes the first reported um, sighting of these lights right um, and it, and it's really it's really interesting to think because the the idea of orbs and spirits is not uncommon if you. You know, if you look into a lot of paranormal stuff, mm-hmm. um, now how prevalent these would be is is a little out of the ordinary for what most people consider orbs, and and the fact that you usually don't see orbs except on film, right? And things like that, and they're usually small, and they're small, and I mean we're talking about really big ones here, but it, it's a great it's a great story, it's a great legend. And like I said, the fact that it's got dates and names attached to it, which, yeah, you know, somebody could have made this up. Yeah. You know, but, but I like it. Um, 
because it just it, it really it really feeds that idea that you know we don't know what this is but you know here's a, here's a story that kind of explains you know why it happened mm-hmm. and and those are always so much fun to me right you know we're even if it's we don't understand it so we're going to make up a story for it you know those are some of the best stories especially yeah. like if you're sitting around a campfire you're telling this kind of story, and then you look up in the sky and you see these lights. You know, it's great. And it, it shows the personality of the person who developed the story, too. Right. You know, it, it becomes a very personal thing. Yeah. And, and so e- either way, whether we're talking about the Brown Mountain Lights, whether we're talking about the Marfa Lights, or, or any of the other incidences of these um, around the world, which... As Adam said, there's not many, Mm-mm. but there are other places that have similar phenomena. Um, it, it, it's just, it's one of those things. We we don't quite get it. Um, it. It could be paranormal. It could be natural. But it's it's really, it's really great to talk about these things. Um, you know, I, I just, I love these kind of stories. Yeah. You know, I, I love the fact that these things actually exist and so many people have seen them and that. If you decide that you want to experience this for yourself, you know, you can plan a trip and you can go. Right. You know, you can go out there and, and you've got a really good chance of, of seeing something that so many people, you know, have witnessed themselves. And, you know, I don't know what, you know, what do you think? I mean, uh, is it is it gas? Is it electricity? You know, is it spirits? Is it UFOs? You know, we don't know. I. I fall on the natural side of the fence. Yeah. You know, but again, I mean, you know, an unexplained natural phenomenon is just as cool to me as a ghost story. Right. And one of the things that was real interesting to me when we were doing this research is how different the two areas are. Uh, The the Marfa lights versus the Brown Mountain lights, they are similar in the fact that it's a mystery light that pops up and goes away but a the areas like you mentioned are completely different and b the reactions of the lights how they interact how they show themselves how they you know the colors they change how they behave and it seems to be a thing where you know we could be talking about one phenomena in the brown mountain and another one in marfa two completely different phenomena that are producing a similar effect yeah and i i absolutely believe that i i do believe that these these are unrelated things Mm -hmm. the only thing they have in common is that they're lights right you know and they're produced by different things because they're the commonalities pretty much in there Right. right i mean you know we're talking about two different locations two different geological um makeups you know just even even the area is completely different right you know, when you're talking about plains to mountains you know there there's nothing really all that you know similar other than these lights appear there right and the brown mountains seem controlled like you were saying they right. they have uh an intelligence or we're giving them an intelligence because of the way they move and that's not the case in marfa that's right that's right so you know something's going on and and I think across the board, you know, even science can say, yeah, the, the, there's lights there. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know what they are, 
Um, but there's definitely there's definitely something there. And like I said, you you can actually go and, and experience it for yourself. Right. So um so to wrap things up, I, I want to remind everybody to be sure and go check out our website. It's graveyardpodcast.com. And on our website, you can um you can listen to the show. You can find the links to buy uh, our merchandise. Uh, you can buy your tickets to our live event on October 20th at Hail Dark Aesthetics in Nashville. And um, we encourage everybody to uh, to come out and, and get to hang out with uh, with us and Hillbilly Horror Stories, EVP Mediums, and Macabre Melts. And you can become a patron. And uh, we want to... Uh, we want to thank uh, some of our newest patrons, um, and I'm going to go through these pretty quickly. Uh, Catherine, Brannon, Nicole, Corin, Lucianne, Thomas, Dimitri, Frank, Andrew, Diane, Hassan, Chris, Judith, Jacqueline, Derek, Marianne, Jennifer, and Matt. And no, that's not me. That's another Matt. So uh, thank you guys, yes. because it's it's folks like you. Um, that have taken the time to go and and give us just a, a small amount of your hard-earned money. Money, money, money. I can't talk. Uh, we'll take money too. I th- man, I've done good this whole show. <laughs> um, but yeah, you, you you've put some money towards our show, which keeps us going. You know, it it, it allows us to to keep the show up and and you know to keep putting out content that you guys want to hear and. I just I can't I can't say thank you enough. Yeah, it's okay? amazing. So go uh, go follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Um, get in our Facebook group. I mean, I, I I say this every week. I feel like, but man, it's it's great. I mean, every day there's something going on in that group mm-hmm. that that Adam and I didn't necessarily facilitate. Right. You know. So uh, and some of our listeners are way more interesting than us and have had a lot cooler experiences. And uh, and we appreciate you guys taking the time to share those experiences and the photographs and the jokes and the stories. We love it. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and don't forget, please go rate and review us on iTunes because it helps people find us uh, a little bit easier and it gets more people into the graveyard. Um, don't forget. Tonight's outro music is by Eastside Gamblers, and the song is uh, I Ain't a Ghost Yet. Uh, If you like it, uh, you can download their album on iTunes. So uh, until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. 